money is only the tool that is to get you what you really want. This coming from today's guest, all right, who spent time in jail and then is now helping people become unshackled business owners. Stay tuned to watch. Hey, hey, everybody, it's Tim Gillette here, and we're here with another episode of the Tim Gillette Show. I am here today with special guest Aaron Young. Oh, my God. It has been so many years since I've seen Aaron. I think we've gone through two presidents. It's been that long. <laughs> it's been a little while. Yeah, I think, uh, was it Craig Duswalt or something event? It was it was Craig or it was somebody in California that introduced the two of us. And I can't yeah. remember who it was. It's been a while, but it's good to see you again. You're, you're, looking, you're looking great. Your hair is shorter than last time I saw you. Yeah, I, I, I cut it all off last year. This pandemic, um, I didn't want to do my hair every day. <laughs> well, good. Well, slave to fashion, no more. Uh, it's it's the weirdest thing, you know, Aaron, when you have long hair as a guy, we don't, you know, guys, we don't think about it, all right? Women would have told me this, but guys don't think about it, is uh, it comes to your hair, you know, when you go to an event, like, you know, like every six to 10 days, I might go to an event to speak where I've got to do my hair. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It takes work to do it. Whereas a girl would tell you she does that every day. All right. Um, well, in the pandemic, I was on camera every day. Right. So I had to do my hair every day. I couldn't get up and just throw a hat on and be good, uh, which is what a guy would do. All right. Uh, so about a month into it, I'm like, yeah, that's it, man. I'm cutting this stuff off. So, but um, no, uh, truthfully is, is Craig Duswalt and I talked about it. Craig's been my coach and mentor since 2012. And we talked about it probably about six months before I did it. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about doing it. Uh, I would love to know if my audience would be receptive to it. And he said, he says, I think it might make an improvement. And he says, I, you're at a point now, 10 years in the industry, that that you can make the change. And it's not it, you don't rely on the gimmick anymore. Which yeah. I think at one point in time, you relied on gimmicks, didn't you? No, I don't think I really had any gimmicks. Um, I, if anything, I was... Uh... I was like the most boring Eagle Scout, blue suit, white shirt. Uh, I was active in the LDS church when you and I met. I'd been Mormon all my life mm -hmm. and um, uh, decided it was time to move out of that. And um, uh, so then I relaxed a lot in how I dressed at events, but I haven't grown my hair out or pierced anything, yeah. tattooed anything. So I, so I haven't really gone too far that way yet. But no, this... Uh, my, I do tell my story. I tell I tell a story about going to prison, which is a. Well, you didn't get any tattoos or anything in prison. Come on, man. No, I I was I was too worried about my personal hygiene to <laughs> take a risk on any of those guys. I, I you know no, no offense, you got to do something when you're really really bored, I guess. But that was not going to be that was not going to be any special thing I brought home. I did bring home this ring. Yeah. Uh, that's made out of the head of it's made out of a government issue bolt I, now i've admitted that in public uh maybe they're going to want me to pay for it oh. so anyway that's my only prison memoir or mem uh, me memory yeah but i mean you know i know you know what i mean i know this part of your story i know you've gone through that uh you know my, my audience is not i don't think I, I can't remember i think you might have been my, on my old show or not i don't remember if you were or were. seems like it yeah. this is years ago oh so, yeah 
but I mean, uh, refresh us a little bit, you know what I mean, about what you went through, all right, and how you use that to impact and help people now. So I have been uh, an employer, a business owner, she was for um, almost 38 years. And I, I started my first company that had a real legitimate payroll when I was 19 and um, built all these companies over the years and always try to be very above board about everything, do everything really by the book. And uh, then one day I got uh, contacted by the IRS. They were looking for information about a guy that had been an affiliate we'd done a bunch of work with. And um, uh, so I answered all the questions because I'm a good guy, right? I'm, I'm a law-abiding fellow. And uh, four months later, I got indicted on conspiracy. They said you either knew or should have known what we think this guy was up to. Nothing that we had specifically done, mm -hmm. but that maybe by us, and one of the companies I own is one of the largest incorporation services in the United States. And fifth, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. Um, Laughlin Associates. And, um, and I thought, how can I be responsible? All we did was set up some companies for some people we didn't, we're not involved with their taxes or anything, but anyway, so we fought, we spent about $2 million in legal fees fighting and finally just gave up, just took a plea bargain. It was draining the coffers. And so, um, so we did that. Uh, sorry, I'm getting a little feedback. I mean, I can hear my voice on your side. I'm going to try so, to monkey with something on that right now, but we'll see what we um, here. So anyway, we, I went, I, I took a plea bargain. I agreed to three years in prison. Uh, the judge cut that down to 18 months, which means you actually go for 14 months. And then you have a little bit of uh, 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 home confinement sort of thing. And I thought that was the end of my career. I thought no one's ever going to work with me again. Nobody's ever going to trust me again. I've now got this felon badge and I, I didn't realize at the time what a high percentage of the population gets imprisoned in the United States. It's we, we imprison more of our population by percentage than any other country, more than USSR did, more than communist China, more than Iran. Uh, the United States likes to leave or lead that, um, that category. And so anyway, turns out a whole bunch of people that I know, and especially a whole lot of people in industries where I do a lot of work, which is in um, public companies, in private equity, in um, in running big companies, people have felonies. I would have never guessed that. Apparently I talk about it a lot and other people don't. So I started to tell that story and it was amazing how I did it because I thought I owe it to the audience to, if they're gonna believe me about anything else I'm teaching, I need to be honest with them so they need to know the story. So I was trying to do it so that I didn't deceive anybody. And I remember the very first time I told the story, it was about 500 people in Palm Springs. Um, and I told the jail story for the very first time publicly. And I get just mobbed by people after the talk, get a standing ovation and then mobbed by people with a break. And usually you get like eight or 10 people that come up and want to ask questions. This was like, 50 people. It was a little intimidating, actually. And they nobody wanted to talk loudly, so they would grab me by the hand and pull me in close and in my ear say something like, 
uh, I did eight years or I'm going through a divorce uh-huh. or um, my child passed away. Wow. Not at all the reaction I thought I was going to get. And what I realized and what I've realized every single time I've told that story publicly, like on a, in a live setting where I can get immediate feedback is that all it does is it takes the guy who's up here on the stage and brings him into a place where the audience can relate Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because if the guy up on the stage went through something that significant and he's now up there on the stage, maybe the thing that I'm struggling with here in the audience, I can overcome too, and I can get past too. And it was an unexpected uh, result. Uh, it reminded me of how much people in the audience don't really care very much about your story. They, they only care about your story as, as it can be applied to their life or their experience. Mm-hmm. If it's just a story for story's sake and there's no message, there's no nuts and bolts, there's no hope in it going away, um, it's not very useful to the audience, yeah. Yeah. right? You know, you're a speaker. So all of a sudden I found out that this this experience that I thought was going to end my career um, ended up not. As a matter of fact, the very first person who invited me to speak, I didn't tell the jail story on his stage, but the very, very first person right after I got done with the whole mess that came up and asked me to keynote at one of his events was Brian Tracy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a major figure in the speaking world. Yeah, yes. And for Brian Tracy to put that little gold star on my forehead and say that I was okay, uh, opened up all the doors. And I mean, since then I've done all kinds whoa, my chair just fell down. I've done all kinds of deals with Les Brown, with Mary Morrissey, with Bob Proctor, with uh, Jack Canfield, uh, Oxford University, South by Southwest. All these opportunities have come since that jail experience. So who knows? A lot of times the thing you think is gonna be the worst thing that could possibly happen ends up not being not nearly as terrible as you think it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I, I look at my own life and go, you know what I mean? Oh, this is so bad. Uh, or look at our world. I guess you can say we can look at our world and, and uh, think, man, things are so bad. But someone actually, I, I read it, I think I read it again this morning, was a whole perspective of imagine being born in 1901. All right. By the time you were 75 years old, you'd seen five wars. All right. You know, mm. you'd went through the depression like and we're sitting here going, oh, man, you know, our life sucks here, you know, because uh, I can't get online today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, the Wi-Fi is slow or I don't like Trump or I don't like Biden or I don't like, you know, I don't like AOC or whatever people. I don't like, you know, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, Green Lives Matter. I mean, everybody's got something to to. And, you know, there's there's. There's valid arguments behind all of it, yeah, yeah. Um, but what's happened is is we got so comfortable. Everybody's clean. Everybody's fed. You know, unless you've chosen to be homeless, you can get in and sleep indoors. You know, I mean, what's happened to our country is very similar to what had happened to England before the Second World War. They'd gotten so powerful, and they, you know, the sun never set on the British Empire. And uh, you get rich enough and fat enough that then you start feeling guilty for your success and you start to um, 
say, you know what? You don't need to take care of yourself. I'll take care of you. And as soon as you take away people's motivation to take care of themselves and opportunity to have the dignity of, of taking care of their own life, mm-hmm. people will settle into it. You know, if you keep bringing them the three cheese, they'll keep eating it. And, um, and unfortunately, our political parties have, um, have leveraged that, that um, situation to try to get votes. It's a real, it's a shame, uh, but I think that like any other, any other trend, yeah. the, the pendulum will swing far enough one direction where people will get sick of it and it will swing back around to a, a situation where people, um, a greater percentage of people take a greater per, uh, responsibility for their own life. So when people get fatalistic about what's going on today, I think, you know, as you say, just look at the last hundred years of history and you'll see how we went from, you know, uh, incredible poverty and the depression, you know, to McCarthyism where we're all ratting out our neighbors Mm -hmm. to live, you know, the hippie movement and let's all just be free love and flower power to the eighties that were complete utter selfish decadence. And now we're swinging back around to more of a group think Mm -hmm. and it, it, this is history. This is how it goes. The world. Yeah. So this, out, what, what, was the, what was the famous Bible verse? There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it, but most of us, because we only live, you know, 60, 70, 80 years, we don't have a lot of perspective unless we are historians by, you know, by avocation. And we, yeah. we spend time reading and learning about what happened before we showed up on the scene. Yeah. We, yeah, very, very, very true. So, so I mean, <laughs> I don't know where this conversation is going, but it's I, I don't know. But you know, as I said, I, 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 most people know my my interviews is I, I don't know where the conversation goes. I follow it, uh, and 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 I follow the conversation in my interviews, not lead it. I don't know why. <laughs> well, good. What well, I, I, I love wandering, so yeah. it's, it's good. Um, but here's something I want to know is is now you spent that time in prison, all right? You got out, all right? You're on stage speaking. How uh, how are you using that, other than speaking, how are you using that uh, experience to better your customers now? How do I use my prison experience? To, well, here's the thing I realized um, at a macro level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your listeners don't necessarily know me, so they can take this with a grain of salt. But really, seriously, I was a high priest in the Mormon church. I'm an Eagle Scout. I've been married now for 34 years. Uh, I've, I've only been with one woman in my life. I've never, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I'm like this. And I've never had any trouble with the law. I mean, I started like serious, like let's go for felony. Right. You know, let's not worry about speeding tickets. Let's let's go to prison. Um, and you know, the overwhelming comment I got from people when I was going through it, that knew me, they were like, geez, Louise, Aaron, if this can happen to you, this can happen to me. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and it was pretty terrifying. And so what I've learned, the way we've applied that experience in the asset protection and estate planning and corporate, you know, scaling companies and so on is to, is to um, use it as a cautionary tale so that people are not lackadaisical about how they do their estate planning, about how they organize their corporations how they follow the rules when it comes to their tax deductions, how they learn systems. See, the year I was in prison, 
and I could do no business at all. Not a, not an email, not a report, not a meeting, not a phone call, not a conversation. I still took home $974,000 that year into our personal household, right? I had, I don't know, 40 employees or something. Um, I had, uh, we built multiple houses, developed multiple neighborhood, you know, we did real estate deals. We did a lot of stuff. And you know what, you know, my wife who had been a stay at home mom that whole time, who was left to be in charge. And she goes, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. And I said, you don't have to know because we have a great management team that will, that knows how to do everything. You just have to keep them accountable, sign big checks. That's it. Right. You don't need to know all of it because we have the team. And I, I teach a class called the unshackled owner, which is all about how to build a company that works harder for you than you work for it. And that experience of being put in prison was the ultimate test of does the system actually work when you can't even have one phone call? You know, you can't answer one question in a multi, multi-million dollar company, I still took home almost a million dollars by simply having things set up properly in advance. And my company now, Laughlin, uh, other than announcing that we were going public, I went and had a staff meeting a few months ago with my team telling them that we're about ready to go public. Um, I haven't been there for four years. Wow. But I have all these people that work for me. We're one of the biggest in our industry. I, I do business on a lar- on a high level with a lot of very accomplished folks, but I don't I don't have a job at the company because we built the company so I could be the owner of the company, not the most critical employee of the company. Well, the prison experience was the sort of ultimate testimonial of that it works. And so I guess that's how I've applied it, both in keeping people aware of knowing the rules and following them and also building a company that can transcend just their own time, their own experience, their own, you know, cleverness. The company can run without them all the time. So Woody says he hates jail. He did 30 days 40 years ago. Woody, you know what? It's a solid, it's, it's a solidarity, baby. (laughs) I did. I did. I did an. I think I did an overnight in, in New Hampshire, um, yeah. in the 1980s, and it was like I was three months from turning 21, and a friend of mine was going into the store to get beer. I was driving the car, and he set his beer down in my car. Okay. And we were just over. Like I lived in Massachusetts at the time. We were just over the New Hampshire line, and because they and the police officer watched him do it, so he walks up to the car and he goes open bottle in the car. Let me see your ID. And wow. the two of us left in the car weren't 21 years old. And that's how the, I mean, and they basically impounded my car. Yeah. Took Cost me to jail. money. Had to call your folks or yep. whatever. Yep. And like, wait a minute. I lived, I lived in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, like, and my parents lived in Pennsylvania. And they're like, oh. we got to call your parents. I'm like, um, I live hours from my parents. There's no way my mom is driving to New Hampshire to pick me up. All right. And then basically we got the girl, the mother of the girl who was in the car with me, uh, her, they, they basically let me out with her. I mean, anyway, but yeah, it was like, that's the most jail I've ever done. Um, I was sitting uh, in a 
I was sitting in a meeting with the former deputy secretary of the SEC. Yeah. It was the four of us at a private meeting in a bungalow uh, at a big resort. And I won't name the other names, but because they're fairly famous guys, um, you'll, you would know both of them, Tim, I promise you. Okay. You, you would know both these guys. So there were the three of us and this, and this um, securities attorney who had been in the room in 08 deciding Lehman Brothers is gone. Here's how we're going to mix the, here's how we're going to basically save the economy, right? So the dollar doesn't collapse today. He was one of those people in the room. And I, so anyway, the two other guys were both, are both, well, one of them's passed away now, but they're both cigar smokers and they went out to smoke a cigar. And so it left me and the lawyer in there and we're visiting for a minute. I said, can I just ask you a question? How does it feel for you, this, this, you know, famous high-end securities lawyer, former government, you know, uh, watchdog, uh, to be sitting here in the room with three felons. And he said, Aaron, if I didn't work with felons, I wouldn't have any business. <laughs> so took a little of a sting out of it for me. I thought that was pretty funny from an SEC lawyer going, yeah, if I didn't work with felons, I'd have no, I'd have no customers, man. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, now I'm not trying to be a felon. I'm trying to keep everything on the books. All right. Above the, you know, above good. the law. And I and, recommend it. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> even to the point, you know, when people, I mean, we have two corporations now, two LLC corporations and, you know, we try to do everything by the books as we're doing our taxes now. And it's like, my wife is like, this is the last year I'm doing our taxes. We have to, we, because we have two companies now, we can't, we have to go out to, to, yeah, we have to go out to a, another place. Um, but like, I think we had it down to what, like the one company actually owns a piece of the other company. So, uh, because one of the company, one of our, our, our major companies, an investment company. Uh, so it funded the starting of the second company. Uh, but we separated the work we do, but like, we don't have employees. You know what I mean? We're small companies. Uh, just trying to protect it because we own real estate and we own stuff like that. Uh, so, but we're trying. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to figure it out, but like, I'm not like you know, I'm not, I'm not out there to make the millions of dollars. But you said you're going public. I got note here, so I want to actually get in on that. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, sure. Uh, uh, so, what, yeah, that's an interesting deal. So, what we're doing is um, we're doing. Uh, the simplest way to explain it is we're just we're doing a reverse merger into a public shell. Mm -hmm. So we we're, we've been around for a long time. We have good revenues. We have good profits. We have good management team. Um, I was going to do this 15, 16 years ago, whatever it is. Um, I was interested in doing it. And then when the whole thing with the government came up, I just hunkered down. And then I didn't want to come back up on the radar, even though we can. There's nothing precluding us. I just didn't. I just wanted to stay out of the fast lane, you know, yeah, yeah. but it's gotten to the point where we're growing too much and it's, um, we decided to do it. And yeah. so, so I, uh, I thought, well, we take all these other companies public, we, we ought to maybe look at our own company. Yeah. So two, two separate businesses. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so, but, but that's it. I mean, at one point in time, I mean, you've got employees to think of, you got a team to think of, you, you got to think of the, 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 uh, the best option for the company. And I mean, you know, sure. that is, that is, that is always the, 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 the situation, you know, like I said, in our case, we just happen to be, you know, small time business people. But if the person out there who's listening into this 
is their goal is to build this. All right. I want to build it. I want to add 20 employees. I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to grow. I want to become an international corporation. What sure. is advice you give them? Well, the first question is, <laughs> okay, that's a great question. And let me, let me riff on it for a second. So the first thing I say, when people always come to me and, and they say, I want to, you know, grow, I want to go public, I want to be big. And first thing to remember is Berkshire Hathaway has like 12 or 15 employees. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You don't need a lot of employees to be incredibly successful, right? Unless you're manufacturing or you have a bunch of fast food restaurants or something. Um, the first question I always ask people is, well, okay, so let's just say that you knock it out of the park and you make all that money you want to make. Like, what is it you want to do with the money? Like, money is nothing. Money is just a way of getting something else you want. Mm -hmm. So do you want to buy real estate? Do you want to travel, you know, the world? Do you want to buy airplanes? Do you want to buy watches? Like, what, what, what's going to float your boat? In other words, what's the outcome that you want? And is going public really the right way to do it? Is getting a lot more employees the right way to do it? Um, you know, because taking on more liability and more expense, uh, and especially going public, you know, you're going to add another five hundred thousand to a million dollars of expense in your legal accounting and um, and public relations. So you're going to be spending a lot more money than you were when you were private. Plus, now you have a goal of making profits, not getting rid of all the profits. In a private company, the goal is to be as close to zero as possible. In a public company, it's show how profitable you are, right? Yeah. And so it's it's a different game. And I, I, I always ask people to start. Well, Stephen Covey said it best when he said, begin with the end in mind, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? What's the outcome that you would like? If you're going to give up some of your time, your resources, you know, money, your connections and so on to do whatever it is that you're going to do. What's the reason? What, where, what's the finish line? What, how do you know, besides just making a living, most people start a business, but, and they say, I own a company, but they don't, they're self-employed. If they stop running on the hamster wheel, the money stops. Yes. Right. And, and so my thing is always, well, if you're going to put effort into something, instead of staying in the same place, how do you get from here to here? Or let me do it this way. There, but it works right on your screen. Um, uh, how will you know if you're successful besides just being able to pay your bills? Because yeah. if you, you can almost certainly make more money working for somebody else than being self-employed. Yes. Um, in many cases, effort, yes. The most recent information that I have is only 4% of companies, there are about 22 million, in the last census, 22 million companies or individuals that they owned a company or were self-employed. Only 4% of those ever break a million dollars a year in revenue. Mm. Okay. The average person of that group, the average person was making $24,000 a year being self-employed. So you could probably get a better job over at the grocery store bagging groceries than that. Okay. However, if you learn how to do it, if you follow a proven formula, if you actually offer something to the market that the market wants to buy, instead of just something you want to shove down the throats of people, um, if you actually do something that people want, 
and you do it efficiently and you follow a proven process for developing it up, then you can make a whole lot of money. You can make a boatload of money. I mean, I could make a million dollars while I'm sitting in prison. Think what I do when I'm working, right? But that's not because I'm closing millions of dollars in sales. No, what do I mostly do? I sit here and talk on podcasts. I give speeches. Uh, I arrange right before this to meet a doctor six hours away. I'm going to haul a horse that I have for sale over to him because I just can take a couple of days if I feel like it. I don't have to, I have nobody to, I'm not accountable to anybody except for to our tens of thousands of customers to make sure that we're delivering what we've promised to deliver. But I'm not doing it because we built something that works properly. So if somebody wants to start a business, I say, well, what is it? How are you going to know that you're actually getting what you wanted out of doing this? Do you know where you're going? I promise you, if you can identify the destination, you will get to it much more quickly than just working for money to make rent. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question. But the point is, is that the people suffer from a lack of specificity. People imprison themselves in a, in a crappy company because they don't have a specific outcome they're trying to achieve. And as long as you don't know where you're going, you will not get there. You'll just wander around in the woods, blindfolded. Yeah, see, yeah, see, the see, Aaron, I don't have a specific thing in mind. I don't want someone else to control my world. So that's good. I, all well, I want freedom. All right. If it means I, freedom means make one dollar more than I need to make, I'm free. I'm good. <laughs> the question is, will you be free if you um, end up in the hospital for a month? Yeah. Yeah. That's not you necessarily, but anybody listening. Um, as long as you have enough resources or you've diversified and you, you've said, okay, I made money, I don't know, whatever, driving a tractor, but I put it into some duplexes and I have income that comes in every month. Mm -hmm. So if I can't drive the tractor or I get arthritis or I break my leg, there's still money coming from somewhere. As long as you do that, you're good. But um, I had somebody yesterday who's now making millions of dollars a year and she said, me this was in a, one of our, our our little mastermind group and she said aaron you know you've given me some of the most um difficult counsel that i've ever had to swallow but it, it, it helped me get to where i am and one of the things i told her one time was she was explaining how they brought in investor money and they had all these uh airbnbs and but now nobody was going to the airbnbs and it's pandemic and and she, she's just talking about all this debt and they're having to leverage their homes, you know, to pay for these bills. And I said, wait a minute, you're set up properly. Just stop. She goes, what do you mean? I said, stop doing it. Sell the properties. Give your investors whatever money's left over back. You know, you don't take it. Give it, give back. They made an investment. Get them as clean as they can. Get them out as clean as possible. Just stop. She goes, what are you talking about? I can't stop. That would be failure. I said, no, no. Doing what you're doing is failure. Yes. Stopping is honorable. Stopping is intelligent. Your business is not your biological baby. Your business is a, a means to an end. And if you get clear on that, you will have much more success in your life, have a much more interesting life, meet more interesting people because you'll have time 
to meet interesting people instead of being in the trench all the time, working your butt off. I, when people learn that the goal is find something the market wants and then give it to the market at a, at a price where you make a profit and then identify your own personal finish line, you, you will make a lot more money and be a lot happier. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, your truth. I mean, uh, you know, we had, uh, so we have rental properties. One of our, our investment company owns rental properties. And sure. uh, in 2018 or 2015, we redid one of our properties. And 2018, we were still having the same problem with it. Okay. All right. Not, it, it was, uh, and so people know on the show is, is we, we, we kept getting renters who wouldn't pay us. Like we'd have to be chasing them for money. Yeah. And like, I was like, it was this one unit and it's the neighborhood it was in. And it was a fight in that neighborhood. Um, in a weird, something weird happened in the neighborhood uh, that like all the other complexes in the area were bought up by a corporation that was making the outside look nice and they were giving deals to people. Well, I wasn't a deal no more. All right. Mm -hmm. And even yeah. though I had a nice unit, I wasn't a deal. So I became a headache unit. I just finally went into it. I owned the unit outright and I said, you know what? I'm selling it. And I sold it and made a $50,000 profit because I'd owned it for years, right? <laughs> but I, I, everybody's like, well, why you took away that monthly income? No, I took and flipped it. And I, I took the unit we were living in and we rented that one out and we bought this unit. And in our condo complex, we bought another unit and moved up and rented our old one out. So it's like we did upgrade, but we got rid of the headache is the point. Is the headache now, when, when it becomes the headache, you get rid of it. And That's that is correct yeah. that there's no reason to just keep beating your head against the wall for no reason mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. it's, there's nothing wrong with working and trying to improve processes and and improving something that's okay but at some point it becomes an exercise in futility and then you just stop mm -hmm. you just go okay i give this yeah. is not the fight for me let me and what did grandma always tell us you know whenever a door closes somewhere a window open yes right and as soon as we clear space all that pressure negative energy all the garbage associated with the problem as soon as you get rid of it you, all these good things will show up in your life because now there's space for them to show up yeah exactly. and that happens over and over and over and over again in my life yeah well i mean for me again what my main thing about why i'm in business I'm in business because I can't stand working for someone else. I can't stand being controlled by someone else. It goes back to a childhood problem I had. So I, I can be in business for myself and truthfully live on $1,000 a month if I have to or less. And I have. All right. But if I control my world, I'm happy. That's all I care about is I can control my world. Not, not, not in this to be a millionaire. Not in this to go public. Not in this. To, you know what I mean? How many people do you find like me? Well, a lot of people, and I, first of all, not everybody needs to be a millionaire or be public. I mean, yeah. it, what do they say? If you make 50% more than the people in your neighborhood or mm -hmm. in your, your group of friends, you're the rich one. Mm -hmm. So if everybody's making 50,000 and you're making 75, you're happy. Yeah. You've got or more. Or as Robert Kiyosaki put it one time, all right, if you can, if you make a dollar more, uh, then it costs you to live in, in uh, residual uh, ongoing income. You're wealthy. If that's, that's correct. So, and going public is for very few people. 
Yeah, I'm um, not interested in doing it. That's, that's something you and I will never have to discuss. <laughs> but, here's, but here's the thing that, that I've learned over time. Um, this will be my third company um, that I've been in, involved in, not some other, but somebody else's company, my company. Third time we've taken a company public. Mm-hmm. And um, what, the first time I did a house flip, I didn't even know there was such a thing called flipping houses. Somebody from church, her husband had died. She wanted to move to another state where her kids lived. She asked me if I wanted to buy her house. It was a house that was like stuck in the 80s. It's like where the Huxtables would have lived, you know. Everything was mauve and blue, heavy drapes, you know, on three acres. Well, I went to the county and I saw, oh, I can, I can divide this into three one-acre parcels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the house was on one. So... I, I learned a little bit. I didn't know what I was doing at all. I probably made some dumb mistakes on how much money I put into improving the house. But I, I did it all. I sold the two vacant lots and, and I, I sold the house. And at the end of the day, I made 450000 give or take, profit on the deal. And it was like, uh, how did I not know about this? <laughs> How did I get this far into my life and not know I could make a half million bucks in a few months yeah, yeah. buying the old lady's house? I just, you know, and that opened up a whole world to me that I didn't know existed and I didn't know was as easy to be involved in as it was. Mm-hmm. Now, I, could, I don't know I could go out and do that over and over and over again, but I became aware of something I hadn't known before. And it's funny when we become aware of something and have a little practical experience, a little bit, um, our brain opens up to lots more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Our, our, what is possible expands because all of a sudden what seems like some nebulous thing that somebody else does is now something I can do. And, uh, you know, again, um, being unshackled, not running my companies, but owning them, um, the real estate investment that we do, the private equity stuff that we do, the taking companies public stuff that we do, it's pretty mind boggling how big your world gets and how fast if you if you learn about it and follow the rules. Again, it's not for everybody and most companies really wouldn't qualify to do it. But the, the reality is, is that we are only limited by our own um, belief systems I don't want to get into like life coaching zone here, but I'm just saying whatever we, what, what was it? Was it Henry Ford or who was it that said whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve? Yeah. I think it was Henry Ford. Yeah. I think it was Henry Ford. And, and um, the famous story that he talked about with the, the eight cylinder engine, do you know that story? No. I'll just give it to, I don't know how much time we have, but I'll say real quickly. He brought all of his engineers in and he said, I want you to build me an eight cylinder engine out of one block of steel. And they said, well, that's impossible. And he goes, well, go work on it. Get all the best people and go work on it. And a year later they had a meeting and, and all the engineers explained, we've tried all these different ways of tempering the steel and different ways of boring the steel and that, and it's utter failure. We just cannot do it. It's not, you know, I guess physics won't let it work, right? He goes, well, I will have it, so go back to work. Well, a few more years pass by, they go, Mr. Ford, we figured out a way to do it, right? 
Um, they, they believed it was impossible. They told him it was impossible. They should have known. But he said, well, his famous words were, well, I will have it. Yeah, yeah. Go back to work. Um, and then now we don't think anything is strange other than maybe it's a gas guzzler to have eight cylinders, right? I mean, everybody wants to go to four cylinders or electric now. But the, but the point is, is that we don't find it to be unusual or, or impractical or, or unachievable in any way. You can just choose to buy a bigger engine. Mm-hmm. But Henry Ford had to make a decision that, well, we're going to figure it out. So, hey, fellas, go back to work. And um, once you once you realize it can be done, then you go, what else? Could we do 12 cylinders? Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, apparently sudden, somebody did, Jaguar. Yeah. But apparently somebody did. You know, I thought it was a pretty big deal when we got that fifth gear in the Honda Civic back in the day. And now my Mercedes has nine gears. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I was just noticing that. Yeah, we I bought a Mercedes about a month ago, and this morning I hit I accidentally hit the button on manual this morning, and I'm like, what the heck is my car doing, right? Um, you're, you're flipping I, your paddles. I'm flipping my paddles, right, trying to f- keep up with it, right? And my right. mom's with me going to get coffee, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm in seventh gear. How many gears does this freaking thing have? <laughs> yeah, it's got nine. Nine. <laughs> nine gears, baby, is the, in the new transmission, and the point is, is that. What seemed like it was so cool to go from four gear. Well, I had a three on the tree pickup yeah. truck when I was a teenager. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. So go from three gears to nine gives you a lot more control, especially in a truck. You know, when I'm hauling horses, we, we race horses, we breed horses. And uh, I mean, I can do a lot of stuff now that wouldn't have been possible with three on the tree. Mm-hmm. And it's only because somebody decided that there was a bigger game that could be had and they did it. And the people that are listening, if if you're willing to think bigger, you can get more. Yeah. But specificity, decide what it is you want and get absolutely clear. And Tim, you've done it in your way. I've done it in my way. And um and we only have one life, right? We have this body. We may as well quit being upset about how our body looks and love it. We may as well start to go, well, I'll do it and stop saying I'll do it next year and start doing it now. Yeah. I mean, cause you don't know. I lost my dad. He's right. Um, where is he? Right there is a picture of my dad. My dad's he, right. My dad's right down here. So he's in, <laughs> he's in a box. <laughs> yeah. But, but my, but my point is, is that, you know, he, dad died in July. My dad had a really great life, really fun life. And he went in to have some surgery that was supposed to be no big deal. No big risk, 98%, 99% success rate, good health, go baby go. There's a heart valve in and out. He died. Yeah. And that was his last day. Wow. And I don't want to have any regrets. Yeah. So let's let's um, not limit ourselves. Let's figure out what we want and get what we want, whatever it is. If you want to live off grid in a tiny house, do it. Well, that's the next thing. Tim and Gwen are trying to do is we're trying to buy about five to 10 acres of land to build some off-grid garage house combo on so that if the pandemic happens again, as long as I can connect to the internet, I'm going there and I'm going to hang out there. Uh, yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking for, so I live on property now, um, but I'm looking for, uh, I think I may have just found 80 acres um, completely stranded on four sides by four service that's within one tank of gas away. 
Now you're in Nevada, right? I'm in Washington State. You're in Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. own a company in Nevada. Yeah. But I have people in lots of states and I have businesses in multiple states. Yeah. So yeah, we're in Texas and I've looked as uh, like up Colorado, like just north of New Mexico, Colorado. Uh, I found like, you know, if I wanted to stay in Texas to get a piece of the same land, it's seven times as much. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, to be, to be, and especially if you want something kind of remote. Yeah. You want to be able, you need to be able to get to it. That's my whole thing is, can I get to it with one tank of gas? So, yeah, well, the other thing I've, I, you know what I mean? I've spent a lot of time in Tennessee. Uh, I don't want to live in Tennessee, but I wouldn't mind a, uh, Tennessee for, for, for various reasons. I'm not I saying. I like Tennessee. Well. I like Tennessee. I raised Tennessee walking horses. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm connected to Tennessee whiskey. Oh, is that right? Just as a, as a, an avid supporter. Just an average, just a little, just a little sport I have. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the, the clear colored Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some of it you can get in stores, but you know, the kind so I like is not what you can car? get in stores. <laughs> <laughs> not that I've done anything illegal. <laughs> no, you don't take it across state lines into New Hampshire. So I... <laughs> oh, interesting, huh? So anyway, you know, I, I want to tell Aaron, all right, first of all, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, I mean, your unshackled owner. All right. Yeah, I believe you have a book out about that now, don't you? Actually, we have uh, our book is at the publisher right now that's called Unshackled. I have this little book over my shoulder right there mm-hmm. that um, is sort of like the cliff notes for the bigger book. And then I have a couple other books. I have, I have one called Corporation Manual. I have another one called uh, The Road to Riches. And then I have this one, The Critical 20. But, um, but the Unshackled book will be out later in 2021. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, I mean, what is the website that people can get a hold of you if they want to find out more about you and keep in touch with you? Well, they go to AaronScottYoung.com. Aaron, like um, that, like that right there. Like that. If you go to AaronScottYoung.com, you've got that's like kind of the speaker or the personality site rather than one of the companies. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If they wanted to learn about Unshackled Owner, they could, they could, they can click on programs and read about it. Um, uh, are we live right now? Are we, is this yeah, of course live? we're live. Yeah, but this is well, gonna, uh, yeah this this gets distributed too. But uh, we're actually starting the next class. I do it once a quarter, and uh, we do it all over Zoom, and it starts actually tomorrow. Um, so that's probably too short a notice for people. But um, if you want to learn my formula for starting dozens of multi-million dollar companies, I, I teach it in that class. Cool. Um, but if you want the cliff notes to that, if you go to Aaron Scott Young right at the very top of the page. There's something called the Freedom Formula, which is um, the a little you know paragraph breakdown of the seven steps mm-hmm. that we teach in the five thousand dollar class. Mm-hmm. But the um, Freedom Formula, you know, it's there for you. It's free if you want it, and um, just knowing the steps yeah. can make an enormous difference in your in how you organize your business. Well, that's what I love about the people who listen to our show. They are in, they are looking for wisdom and knowledge. They want to figure out how to make their lives better. So that's you know, why I introduce them to people like you. I, I think that, I think on the bottom of the homepage of Aaron Scott Young, I think there's like a PDF version of that little critical 20 book too. Okay. And that book is a cool book because it's a potato chip book. You know, like you, you read one little chapter and it was short and had just information and short, like one and a half pages. 
So you, you'll do the next one. And, and people say, I actually read that whole book or I buy all these other books and I read a couple chapters and stop, you know, and in 45 minutes, you can read that book and you can have a ton of information. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I think there's a free PDF on the bottom of the homepage. I haven't looked at that in a while, but I think that's right. Cool. Cool. Well, you know, it's been great having you on the show. Before we go, though, I have to play a little game with you called This or That. Okay, I'm ready. I've got nine questions, two choices. You pick which one matters. Maybe there's going to be a conversation about them. Maybe not. Okay. Number one, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Star Trek. Kirk or Picard? Kirk. I love Sean. I love Shatner's Kirk, and I love... Um, uh, uh, oh, why did I just blank on his name? Uh, Ryan, or what's the kid's name? Is playing him now? Oh, uh, Chris, is it Chris? Not Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Chris yeah. Pine. I I really like the reboot of the original show. Yeah, yeah. But, but definitely Kirk more than Picard. Okay. So while we're talking movies, then all right, uh, we talk Western movies. Who was better, Clint Eastwood or John Wayne? John Wayne. <laughs> John Wayne. I mean, if you like an antihero. If you like a man with no name, I got to say, I did love Pale Rider. Um, that was the man with no name, you know, as an older guy. And yeah, that was pretty good. But you I'm, know, a no, no, I'm a huge fan of like Wyatt Earp. But did you know that that uh, John Wayne's one of his influence for doing Westerns was the real Wyatt Earp? Yeah, because he he was in Los Angeles yeah. at the end of his life. Yeah. And, um, and people forget that Marion Morris uh, got there. uh, uh way earlier than we think of him from the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. yeah, he started doing stuff in the in the early in the 40s yeah yeah so so Sorry. right now if you're riding in your car are you listening to a podcast or music uh I'm, well if i'm listening to something i'm listening to music mm-hmm. well i'm probably listening to bloomberg radio is what i'm probably listening to but i'm almost always on the phone in my car <laughs> yeah um, the next one here, I'm not sure if this is a, a, a category that you're even indulging to tell you the truth, because I think you said you don't, but beer or wine? Uh, gummies. Gummies. Okay. For sleep. Oh, for me. I yeah. voted for legalizing marijuana. I'd never had a, a bit of marijuana in my life. Uh, and then a friend of mine became a distributor. He's now the largest distributor in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he said, Aaron, why don't you try these to help you sleep? Cause I was having a hard time sleeping. Yeah. And that was a godsend. Yeah. 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 For me, it's not, for, for I don't me, drink it's not, beer or wine. I've yeah. never had either. Okay. Yeah. For me, it's not beer or wine. For me, it's 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 uh, bourbon or moonshine. So, yeah. <laughs> we should talk offline about a great place I want to I want to have you go visit if you haven't cool. already been. Cool. There. Trust me. I will go visit it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Next one I have, though, so in the food category is taco or hamburger. Uh, at home, I'd rather have tacos. If I go out, I'd rather have hamburgers. Okay. How about this one here? This is the, this is the puzzling one that gets a few people arguing, all right, is that cool. is uh, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm a kid. I'm a kid of Canadian bacon and pineapple or cheese. Those are my choices right there. Yeah. I like I actually all that stuff on it. It's like, forget that. Yeah, I don't want everything on it, but I've had like the two combos is actually I like pepperoni, not the Canadian bacon, pepperoni and pineapple. Pepperoni is also pepperoni. Yeah. Pepperoni is also good, but the, I'm I'm not really big in spicy stuff. So yeah. Canadian bacon is easier. For I am. I grew up Russian Indian. and Polish. So come on. 
Um, I know you live up north, but uh, which fight would you rather be in? A snowball fight or a water balloon fight? Oh, water balloon fight. I love water balloons. I like them because it's always a well, kind of like the snowball may come apart in air. Yeah, yeah. The water balloon may really hit it and just bounce off. Yeah. So it's it's never it's kind of like uh, going to war with a musket. You know, <laughs> it may or may not fire. It may. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, never thought of it this way, but boy, there's, you got some points. Uh, I'm creative in my little thinking, I guess. I guess you are there. That just proves it. Uh, see my little game here at the end. is just, it's always the proof of who's fun and who's not. My last two are the controversial questions that people argue over left and right. And the next one is toilet paper. Does it go over on the roll over or top. under? Waterfall. Waterfall. Okay. Yeah. My mother, I grew up with a house where it was hanging against the wall. And I thought that was right. And my wife grew up in the other house. So I switched it for just like I switched sides of the bed when we got married. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, now I, I feel like I can control my, my sheet count and everything much more efficiently now yeah. with the waterfall. Um, you know, Aaron, that is the question that I ask people. And like the people who are on my podcast are like these calm and loving and, 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 and peaceful people. You ask them that question and fangs come out. Well, yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? What is hanging that toilet paper like that? I even go to like a restaurant sometimes now and I, I find myself being judgmental going, who are these people? Who are these, these, these savages that are hanging the toilet paper backwards? <laughs> oh, and, and the, the greatest one I ever had, I'm going to Cammie Baker from up in, uh, she was in New Hampshire, but Cammie Baker, when she was on, Cammie said, uh, she says, well, I'm a single girl. If I go to a guy's house and I'm dating him and I change that toilet paper from under to over three times, I break up. This relationship's going nowhere. <laughs> Just clearly, we cannot cohabitate based on your toilet tissue. Yep. So my last one here, all right, and I finally get to ask it to a guy. I've been asking it to girls for the last couple of weeks. I haven't had a guy on here to interview, and that is boxers or briefs. Oh, um, so I actually wear boxer briefs. Uh, uh, I don't, I've never, I could never get into the loose boxers because I was, felt like I was always having to tuck them back down in my pants. Yeah, yeah. Tidy whities could never, I, I don't know. Um, but now, okay, shameless plug for a company I have nothing to do with, Tommy John. Guys, yeah. go to Tommy John. And if you, if you, it was difficult for me to spend 45 bucks on a pair of underwear. Uh, until I had the first pair, and then it was like I think I have like two dozen pair now. Uh, Same concept with me. Only the company was Me Undies. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, I'll check it out. But I I tried several different ones. Tommy John. My wife got them for me for um, Christmas, and uh, I fell in love. Yeah. And um, I wear their second skin boxer briefs. Go, Tim. Check it out. I like your game. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot harder than that, and that. I just think that was a very fun thing. That's and, a great uh, way to end the end the podcast on a high note. All right. And let people know that we have a fun side. So uh, again, I've seen Sammy Hagar play it and I think I'm cooler than Sammy Hagar. So, well, I think why not? There's Sammy Hagar. He's, he's, you know, that's, I don't know. He's old now. I go to his restaurant once in a while and is, isn't there still one in the LA in LAX? Sammy, I don't know. I only fly out of LAX. I only use the Southwest Terminal, which uh, I don't think Sammy has one there. Gene Simmons does now at, 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 at 
the Southwest. Is that the Gene? Is that Gene Simmons? I I knew it was one of those guys that was. Gene has Rock and Brews, which is at the at the Terminal Two or Terminal One uh, at LAX, which is the Southwest Terminal. But I thought I okay, so I know about Rock and Brews, but I thought Sammy Hagar had restaurants in airports. And I'm trying to think. Maybe it's Dallas. Is is there one in Dallas? I don't know. I, I have to look again. Dallas. Um, I don't go to. I don't fly out of DFW. I fly. I fly out of Love Field, which out is love, again. I'm a Southwest, Southwest guy. Yeah. Hey, I'm a Rapid Rewards. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an a, a, a list preferred, and I'm a Companion Pass guy for years. Yeah. For years, Southwest and Delta get almost all my business. Southwest gets all of mine. Uh, for years, I was American Airlines. Again, another Dallas company, but yeah, American Airlines. But Southwest just offered better rewards, so I moved. To yeah, Southwest. I do too many. I do too many international trips. Yeah, to, I don't. To, so. to Southwest. Yeah, but, I, but uh, I tell you, for anybody that's griping about Southwest, go fly them for a little bit, and you you will be converted. Yeah, that's it why is. I'm converted. That's why I do everything. Uh, for years, they were known like I, if they said I was landing at LAX at 7:05 a.m. Gosh darn it! That plan was touch wheels on the ground at seven oh two. Is that is that terminal one or terminal two? At LAX, it's terminal one. Terminal. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. first one you pull up to, Southwest baby. And it's it's because uh, usually I, I, when I'm at LAX, I stay if if uh, if I'm not attending a conference there, I've always stayed at the Sheraton, which you can walk to from from the yeah. Southwest terminal. You, you don't have to walk. wait for the bus anymore. Just walk nope. there. You'll be there faster. Yeah, if you're at the Westin. It's a hike. It's a, yeah. Don't so go there. Get, get a get a cab, but um, but or or the bus. Anyway, yeah. Tim, what a fun thing! Thank you for having me on to play today. Thank, hey, thanks for coming on the show and for uh, for letting everybody know who you are. One more time, tell them your website so both the audio people can hear it as well as the video. Oh, it's it's Aaron A A R O N. My middle name's Scott with two T's and Young Aaron Scott Young dot com. Um, or they can also go to um, Laughlin USA if they want to learn more about the incorporation company. Cool. Cool. But Aaron Scott Young will t- tell you all about me. Cool, cool. Well, Aaron, thank you for being on the podcast today and sharing your valuable information. Hey, just having fun with us. It was good catching up with you on uh, recording. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank awesome. you. Cool. Uh, to you, the listener, I want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Go to AaronScottYoung.com and check out Aaron. I'm telling you, man, I've known this guy for years, all right, and uh, he's a trustworthy human being, all right, who really has got a boatload of knowledge. He only shared a little bit of it today. Go check him out and uh, go see everything else he does to offer you. And if you haven't by now, subscribe to where you get your podcast, The Tim Gillette Show, and our YouTube channel as well. I'm Tim Gillette. I'll be back with another cool guest real soon. Talk to you later, guys. Bye.